Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. What a powerful name, the name of Jesus, amen? amen? Well, it is good to be in the Lord's house if you have your Bible, and I pray that you do. This is the place to bring it, amen? Every, every time we gather together, I do want to uh, just give... Uh, uh, God, some glory. Uh, our Lord has done some great things this week, and uh, certainly we want to continue to pray for Rosalie Blackwell as she continues to recover. And uh, now she's got kind of a, 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 a mate, uh, Elmer Preston, is over now. Bless his heart, he is over at Encompass as well. And so we're setting up a battlefield wing over in Aldi there at Encompass. Uh, that's not necessarily something that we strive to do, but uh, they've got uh, Rosalie is, I think, at 131, and Brian, you said your father is in 135, and so they're right down the hall from one another, but you pray for their continued recovery. Uh, I see Brother Ron here. Uh, we're thankful that uh, his dear wife is able to be home, and so we want to continue to pray for Mary Fellins and her recovery, and James, I was talking to our our illustrious uh, audio engineer, sound technician, guru. And uh, as you know, they have diagnosed him with cancer and he'll be going uh, for his PET scan, Lord willing, on Tuesday. He's already tried to have that a couple of times. And so Lord willing, that'll take place Tuesday. Uh, I was able to uh, visit with uh, Marilyn Ridge Creek on Thursday and uh, I believe she was being able to get, did she go home, Tim, yesterday? Praise the Lord. So she was able to get out of uh, her rehab situation on Saturday, and uh, and I took her I took her some donuts, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think she was thankful for them because she told me whatever they were doing with the chicken there was not good, and and, <laughs> and so I told her I said, well, just take a bite of chicken and then have a bite of donut, a bite of chicken and a bite of donut. And, uh, and I said, listen, your doctor may not recommend this, but I do. And so, so we're thankful for that. And then uh, uh, I don't see him this morning, but I know Tim Ferringer's uh, sister, Rhonda, is, uh, was diagnosed down in the Chesapeake area. She's going to be having uh, the double mastectomy on Tuesday for her breast cancer. So we want to pray for Rhonda Ferringer. Uh, I was able to talk with Joel uh, I see over here, but uh, Vicki Koch is at home and uh, recovering, and so we want to continue to pray for her recovery. And I'll be honest with you, I know I'm running through a whole list of names, but right over here, Ken, it is good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Ken has been dealing with pneumonia, and uh, he said he didn't want it anymore, so he said, get out of here, right? And so, uh, praise the Lord. Listen, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in the precious word of God. While you're turning, I do want to encourage you to grab a few of our Easter cards out at the information center there at the desk in the lobby to invite uh, your friends, neighbors, family members to our Easter celebration in a couple weeks. We'll uh, have Palm Sunday. And listen, uh, if you need to follow the Lord and Believer's baptism, I know we've already got eight or nine signed up for baptism. If you need to be baptized, this is uh, the opportunity to do that on Palm Sunday. 
And then on Easter, uh, we will get together on Easter morning. All the information's there. We'll have a light breakfast at 9.15, our worship service at 10. And then moms and dads, I want you to know that after the children sing in our worship service, by the way, that'll be cool to have them sing on Easter, they will be having their Easter egg hunt uh, after that. So, so I encourage you to get some of these invite cards um, and use them to invite others. Now, let's look at the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and if you'll draw your attention, just going to read a few verses of Scripture, but if you'll draw your attention down to verse number 19, that's where we're going to get started this morning. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and here's what he says in verse number 19 and following. He says, For though, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. Now let's read that again, because that's worth that, that that's worth our attention. He says, For though, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Notice what he says in verse 23. And this I do for the gospel's sake. Amen. He says, this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for your love in this day that you have made, and certainly, Lord, we rejoice. and We are glad in it. Lord, we are thankful for the fact that because of Christ, we can stand in your love, no longer condemned to be separated from you throughout all eternity, but we can stand in that love, and it was because, because of your love that we're able to do this, your amazing grace. Lord, we're thankful today that you have all authority in heaven and earth and that we can, we can live today because of your authority. We can go in your strength and in your wisdom and in your power as we sang about your wonderful, powerful, and mighty name. And certainly, Lord, we are grateful for these songs of praise and worship that we were able to lift before your throne this morning. But Lord, now we come to and we ask that you would bless the teaching and preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll flow through my lips, Lord, that you'll give me wisdom from on high. And Lord, as I always pray, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. And so, Lord, I pray that today that you will have your will and your way. Lord, I pray that if there's one in our midst, one that is watching online who has never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today would be that day that you draw them unto yourself where they can find that forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. Lord, I pray for those who are here who are facing some surgery, some situation, some other issue that they're dealing with. Lord, I pray that you'll show yourself strong in their life. And I pray, Lord, that today you'll be honored and glorified through all that's said or done. Lord, we love you and we praise you for it's in the powerful and precious name of Jesus we pray and for his sake, amen 
and amen. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. Over the past month or so, you know, we've been talking about the love of Christ. We've been talking about the truth of Christ. We talked about the lost and the reality of hell. And then last week, I mean, I splurged and I was trying to almost as if I felt like I was trying to raise the dead on Spring Forward Sunday. I'm not sure. We, has anybody sprung forward yet? Hey, isn't it good to be able to still have daylight at 5 o'clock? Isn't that a wonderful thing? So last week, after the week before talking about the reality of hell, we talked about our need as believers to be bearing fruit. And so we talked about that from John chapter 5. But simply today, I just want us to see and understand that really there's no time like the present to allow all of this information, whether we're talking about the love of Christ, the truth of Christ, the situation, the status of the lost, the fact that hell is a real place, and the fact that you and I are called to go and to bear much fruit, and the reality is that we are branches, and if we're not connected to the vine, the reality is we will not bear fruit. But today, I think it's a great opportunity. There is no time like the present to allow all of this information to literally to govern our lives. And that's what I want us to look at. If you recall last week, during the message I shared, very familiar verse of Scripture in Proverbs 11 and verse 30. The Bible says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. To be sure... We talk about soul winning, and a lot of people get really clamped up. They get really tight-lipped. They get really uh, concerned. Uh, Pastor, are you going to preach on soul winning? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because the reality is, whether we like to hear it, whether we like to think about it or not, the reality is that soul winning ought to be a priority, more so, I believe, in 2023 than ever before. And you say, where do you get that? I get that from Romans 13 and verse number 11 where the Bible reminds us that our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Listen, I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. I say that all the time, but the reality is if you haven't taken a, a gander at me lately, I'm getting older. <laughs> you guys are vicious. I'm getting older. And even though in my mind... I'm still 20, 22 years old. Ernie, no comments from the peanut gallery. In my mind, I think I can still do what I once did. But then my body reminds me that soon and very soon I'll be going to see the king. All of this together should be a huge reminder to us that our time our time just keeps on clicking away. And I don't know about you, but I have loved ones who need Jesus. I don't know about you, but there are people that I've met in the marketplace who need Jesus. There are people that I have counseled with, uh, atheists and agnostics who need Jesus. And so I believe that it should be a priority in 2023. And, you know, the, the, the sad reality is in a lot of churches, what, what I hear today is a lot of people debating the sovereignty of God and the necessity or the language of soul winning. But, folks, I can tell you there is no mistaking Jesus' mandate to the church as he said in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15. He said, go ye. He said, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
Listen, Jesus didn't stumble over his words in Matthew 28 and verse number 19. By the way, right before he says what he says in verse number 19, as we sang a minute ago, Andy, Jesus says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Listen, I go in the power of Jesus. But in Matthew 28, 19, he said, go you therefore and teach or make disciples of all nations. Now you and I can talk all about what the process of discipleship looks like. In fact, I've heard preachers and teachers, they debate, oh, discipleship's not a book, discipleship is this, a discipleship is that. Or We can talk about what the process of discipleship looks like when it comes to that. But the reality is a disciple, watch this, a disciple is a follower or a student of someone or something. And the reality is we all are following someone or something today. We're a disciple of something. Like in September, many of us become disciples of, uh, of the Dallas Cowboys and the, and the Washington Commanders, but they continue to let us all down. We're all disciples of something. And the reality is to be a disciple, listen, we're either a follower of Jesus Christ or we're not. And, and to be a follower, this person is obviously going to be a believer. This is what we find in Scripture over and over. And, and in fact, you've heard me refer to Jesus' disciples that we read about in Scripture many times as his closest followers. And so that's, that's part of it, discipleship being a follower of something or someone. And, and when I was preparing these notes, I think about Andrew. And you remember Andrew, uh, he was one of the very first so-called uh, disciples of Christ. And if you were to look over in John chapter 1 and verse number 35, the Bible actually tells us that, that Andrew, he was one of the two disciples that we come to find out later, but he was uh, literally following John the Baptist at this time. And so before Jesus comes along, he's following John the Baptist. But as we know from Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You remember John says, he looks over there and John 1, 29, he says, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And then here comes Jesus, you know, and uh, Andrew talks to Jesus and Jesus says, hey, you want to know about me? He says, come and see. And so after, after coming face to face with Jesus and spending time with him, who John 1 tells us is not only God, but he's the very word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Andrew spends time with Jesus. Not only God, but the very word of God. And his life, watch this, his life is changed forever. And the very first thing that Andrew does, in fact, if we were to look in John 1, 41 and 42, the very first thing is after his conversion and spending time with Jesus, the very first thing that he does is become a soul winner. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, if you look at these verses that I believe they're showing on the screen, the first thing he does, he spends time with Jesus, right? And then he says, listen, I got to go get my brother. So he goes and he gets Simon. And he says, hey, listen, hey, listen, we found the Messiah. You got to come. Now, I'm guessing during that time, I don't know if he had to hog tie Simon or not. But he, next, thing we, next thing we know is he brings him to Jesus. Oh, listen. The process was he immediately finds his brother, he proclaims the news of the Messiah, and he literally brings his brother to Jesus. Now, I digress. Go back to our passage in 1 Corinthians 9, because after Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, he's headed to persecute uh, believers of the way. 
He has his conversion experience. Uh, he spends time with Jesus, and we could talk about that, how he's out in Arabia with Jesus for a while. And then after that, by the way, before he even gets out into Arabia, he begins to be a soul winner. He literally immediately, he doesn't even go out to Bible college in Arabia. He begins immediately, as soon as he is changed, he starts telling people about Jesus. And that's scriptural, folks. You find that in Acts chapter 9. And so, notice back in our text, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul uses the language of winning souls and winning people to Christ over and over again. In fact, if you notice in verse number 19 through 22, he uses one word, over and over again, and that's the word gain. It actually comes from the Greek word kerdaino. Uh, he actually uses this word, and it literally means to gain, to acquire. Watch it. In some of your versions of Scripture, maybe you don't have the King James in your hand, it'll use the word win. And so over and over, Paul's talking about what he did in order to win people to Christ. By the way, this word Kerdaino is literally a, an, a transactional term that was used in ancient business. And watch this. It literally spoke of making a profit or trading up. Watch this. Trading up to something better. Isn't that good? Listen, you know when Jesus came and he died on the cross, he said, look. He said, I'm putting all the sin of the world on me. It's time for you to trade up to something better. Isn't that good? And Paul said, listen, this is what. I knew that I needed to do. I needed to go and tell people about Jesus so that they could know, so that they could gain, so that they could win something much better than what they were doing at that point. And so as a follower of Christ, Paul, as we talked about in the very first lesson, he saw himself as an ambassador. He saw himself as an agent of Jesus Christ who had been given this wonderful opportunity to offer the lost, those without Christ, something greater than the world, the flesh, or the devil ever could offer. Oh, listen, can I tell you, if you're here this morning, Jesus has something much better to offer you than what you can offer yourself. He has something much better to offer you than the raise at your job. He has something much better to offer you than anything this world could ever afford to offer you. Oh, and it's forgiveness, and it's life everlasting. Oh, listen. Paul, look at verse number 16 before we started reading. He actually reveals his mindset and his heart in verse number 16. Notice what he says here. He, he, he says this. He says, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You see, he understood as we started our year with our stewardship series on entrusted. He understood that he had been entrusted with the message of life, the abundant life. And he knew that he had to be the ambassador that he was called to be to go and to share this news. If you look in our text, what's amazing to me is if you look in verse 20 of our text, Paul, he's talking about the Jews. These are the Jews who were trying to earn or, or to gain their salvation by adhering to a strict set of religious laws. Can I tell you, Jesus is not about do. Jesus is all about done. He already did it. When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. By the way, I'm not sure he said it like that. We get all our Easter plays together, and we have somebody up on the cross, you know, and, and we have them holler out in the plays, it is finished. You know what he might have just said? 
It is finished. We like the dramatic, don't we? But I don't think you have to dramatize what he did on the cross. It was dramatic enough. Oh, listen, what a Savior we serve. And, and Paul, he's talking to these Jewish people who were trying to earn and to gain their salvation by adhering to a strict set of religious laws. And so he sought to win them over by sharing the grace of God. Look at verse 20, with them through the gospel. And then in verse 21, he's talking about the Gentiles here who were enslaved to sin. Remember, at this time, Jews and Gentiles hated each other. The Jews were uh, strict religionists, and they considered the Gentiles the heathen nations of the world and so these people were enslaved to sin and so Paul says listen to the Jew I became as a Jew in order that I might gain or win some and to these Gentiles these ones who were enslaved in sin he said I became as them he said because I wanted them to know the forgiveness and freedom that was readily available in Jesus Christ and then you say well was he done no, he goes on, look at verse 22. In the first part of 22, he addresses believers who were actually weak in their faith and thus they were rigid in their customs and habits and manner of life and they didn't completely understand the liberty that they had in Jesus Christ and so Paul, he endeavors to edify and to encourage them in their faith. And then when you get to the last part of verse 22, notice what he says because it's huge. He says, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save. Sozo is the Greek word. Sozo, deliver, that I might save or deliver some. Paul wasn't saying that he was the Savior of the world. He was saying that he was doing what he could do to point people to Jesus. And he knew that he was the deliverer. Oh, friends, Paul understood that there was no time like the present. And so he was laser focused. He was laser focused on winning people to Jesus Christ, whether they be Jews or Gentiles. By the way, Paul had a deep, deep abiding love for the Jewish people. Over and over he talks about that. And yet he would go to synagogue after synagogue. Some might receive the message of Christ and then others would push him out and he would immediately go to Gentiles. But he was busy about telling people about Jesus and before, before you think and you start to say, well, hold on, he became as a Jew, he became as a Gentile, he became as a weak. Let me tell you, Paul wasn't a compromiser. He wasn't a chameleon who changed his message. He was straight, straight as they come, pointing people to Jesus. And such, I believe, he sets for us an example here in our scripture of how you and I, too, can become successful in this effort when we, when we take the reality of God's love and his truth, the reality that there are lost people for whom Christ died, the reality that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and the reality that you and I are to be bearing fruit as God's children, I think that we can take all of this information and we can put it, right, you know, we can put it in our head and in our heart, Lord willing, and that we can go out from this place as ambassadors of Christ and be vocal enough to share the love and the truth of Jesus with people. Paul gives us an excellent example of how we too can become successful in our efforts to see people, to see people won, to see people gained for the kingdom of God. And, and so, uh, without further ado, if we're going to become successful in our efforts to win souls, the first thing, if you're a note taker, that we need to do is we need to be a servant. If you look in verse number 19 of our text, 
Look back in verse number 19. Paul stated, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. Notice the word servant there in verse number 19. That word servant there comes from the Greek word deluo, and it literally means to enslave. And so let's look at that verse again. If you'll show verse number 19 again, Paul says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a slave, a bond, a slave to, to everyone that I come in contact with in order that I might gain the more. And so because of what Christ had done in his life, you can look in Romans 1.1, you can look in Titus 1.1. Paul, he actually had referred to himself in his greetings in both of those places. He had referred to himself as a bond servant or a slave to Jesus Christ. But here in verse number 19, he takes it a step further. He's not only a bond servant to Jesus Christ, but now he says, even though I've been set free by the blood of Christ, he says, even though I'm free from all men, I don't know anybody, anything. He said, but even though I'm free, he said, because I care so much about people and because I love Jesus so much, because I'm constrained by his love, I'm being held down by it. He says, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to enslave myself. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to become a servant to other people so that they can hear about Jesus. Can I tell you what? If we're going to see people won or gained, or if you want to use the Greek word, you know, if we're going to see that happen in people's life, then we're going to have to be servants. There's no way around it. We're just going to have to be servants. I think about, in fact, do me a favor. Turn in your Bibles. It'll, it'll do some good. Turn over to Mark chapter 9. I'm going to really point you here in just a second to Mark chapter 10. But as you're turning, in Mark chapter 9, you may remember uh, the disciples had been arguing about which one of them would be the greatest. Isn't that ironic? They wanted to know which one would be the greatest. And, and uh, in Mark 9, uh, 35, Jesus actually, Jesus actually answers the debate. And he says, listen, he says these words. He says, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all. And then he says, and they shall be servant of all. Now, this word servant there is literally speaking of an attendant or a minister, okay, is what he's saying. And not long after this, if you remember, uh, latter part beginning ironically in verse 35 of Mark chapter 10, uh, old Zebedee's boys, James and John, they come to Jesus, right? And they want to uh, ask Jesus to do what they wanted. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked Jesus, Jesus, I want you to do what I want you to do? Anybody? Am I the only one? Like, even like, like, like you have some kind of like magical remote control and you're like, Jesus, I want you to do this right now. Well, they, old Zebedee's boys, they come to Jesus and they tell him what they want him to do. <laughs> and so Jesus says, what do you want? Right, And so they sit, they, they start talking to him and they say, hey, listen, uh, when you come into glory, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand. I can only imagine, you know, Jesus' look, head shaking. He says, whoa, 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 you guys have no clue what you're asking. He talks about, can you drink of the cup that I'm about to drink? Are you guys ready to be baptized with the baptism that I'm getting ready to go through? He said, I don't think you guys understand what's going on. 
And so the conversation goes on. But you know, remember we just talked about they were having a dispute in Mark chapter 9. Well, the Bible says that when the other 10 disciples heard what was going on in verse number 41 of Mark chapter 10, notice what it says, they began to be much displeased with James and John. Isn't that like us? By the way, this isn't something new because after Jesus was resurrected, he, he meets all the guys out on the beach there and he's got the fish fry going on and, and uh, Peter, he's still worried about what, he's, what Jesus is going to do with John. We seem to always get concerned about what Jesus is doing with somebody else instead of worrying about what he's doing with us. That's, that wasn't even in my message. So they begun to be much displeased. But So in this moment, notice Jesus calls them all together. He calls them all together. And look at verse 42. He calls them together and he says to them, he says, Hey guys, he says, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them, but so shall it not be among you. He said, but whosoever will be great among you. It's almost as if he said, did I not just say this to you? Did I not just tell you that whoever is going to be great among you? And so here he's repeating himself. He says, whosoever will be great among you shall be your waiter or servant, your minister. But look at verse 44. He takes it a step further. He says, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be kerdaino, kerdaino, shall be slave or servant of all, or duluo, rather, not kerdaino, that's to gain or to win over. Duluo is, we're talking about a slave, to be enslaved, right? And so Paul, remember, he said he had become a slave to all men. And so Jesus here in verse number 44 says, and whosoever you will be chiefest shall be slave of all. And so in Christ, here's the thing, Paul did not see himself as deserving God's love. You got to know that. Paul considered himself less than least of all, right? He, he considered himself the least of the apostles, and on and on it goes, not worthy. So he didn't see himself as being worthy of God's love or his forgiveness or salvation. But what he does do is once he receives that love and forgiveness and the truth of Jesus Christ, he humbles himself. And he says, you know what? I'm not only going to be a bondservant or a slave to my Savior, I'm going to make myself a servant of all in order that some might be one. Oh, listen, if we're going to win people, we have to, we have to be like Paul. Because you see, Paul, he saw their spiritual need as their greatest need. Let me say that again. He saw their spiritual need as their greatest need. Listen, I'm all for sending aid and helping people and we support uh, uh, orphanages and feeding centers through manna and other groups like that. But listen, as I was talking to another gentleman the other day, if all we do is feed somebody physical food and never address the greatest need, which is their spiritual need, we've not done our job. And so Paul understood this. He understood that their greatest need was their spiritual need and so he did whatever he could without dishonoring the Lord to win people to faith in Christ. And so he became a servant. And we have to do the same thing. Next, if we're going to become successful in winning souls, then we must be disciplined. By the way, I can assure you that the Jews in Paul's day were not NFL, MLB, uh, uh, NBA, or, or NHL fans. In fact, they didn't like much about sports. And you say, where do you get that? Well, they had a real disdain for the famous Greek athletic games. 
In fact, you notice I stopped reading earlier in verse number 23, but if we were to read in verse 24, 25, 26, and 27, Paul is using the illustration of the, the Greek games that took place on occasion. And whether or not he ever actually attended those games, the reality is Paul knew something about the meticulous discipline that it took to compete as an athlete at the highest levels. We have a couple of our, a few, in fact, pages over here as well, but I got uh, April and Brooke out here, some of our high school athletes. You ladies know, and Paige, you know, and others who are in sports, you know what it takes to compete at the highest level. You have to give yourself over to this training. You have to be disciplined. There is a disciplined nature in this regard. And knowing that he was in a spiritual race, he wasn't in the Greek games, but he's in a spiritual race. Paul said, I got I to gotta be disciplined. I got to be disciplined. And why do you think he said this? I believe he said it because he knew that people were watching. Do you know people are watching you today? People watched to see if you pulled out of your driveway to go worship Jesus today. You don't think it's so, but I guarantee you. I don't know their names, but they're probably peeking through the blinds. Yep, there they go again. You say, how do you know that? Because I remember years ago when my wife and I lived over in Centerville, and I've told this story before, that this family, they watched us for six years. For six years, they watched us come and go. They watched us tr trying to raise our, 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 at that point, our only son, <laughs> you know. And uh, they, they saw how we were living our lives. And I came home from church one day and the lady come running over and she said, oh, Pastor Greg, oh, Pastor. She said, uh, and it wasn't Pastor Greg at that time. See how my mind's changed. She said, you've got to come. You've got to come and you've got to pray with us. I said, I had just gotten out of the van. I said, I said, why would you have me come and pray? And she said, because I know you are a man of God. Don't be fooled, folks. People are watching you. And Paul understood this. And so as an advocate of Jesus Christ in the life-transforming gospel that he had been entrusted with, look at what verse 26 and 27 says back in our text, 1 Corinthians 9. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. In other words, he was saying, I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control. He said he, he was speaking of the spiritual restraint and discipline in regards to the body of sin. And Paul said, listen, I've got to continue to put the deeds of the flesh to death. In fact, if we look over in Colossians chapter 3, the Bible talks about mortifying anything that belongs to our earthly nature and putting to death those things. Even in Ephesians, we're studying uh, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus on Wednesday night. When we get over there to chapter 4, right, he's talking about uh, uh, putting on the new man and, and putting off the old things, right? And so he understood this. And so he said, listen, if I'm going to be successful, I have Jewish people watching me. I have Gentile Gentile people watching me. I have those who are weak watching me. Everybody's watching me. And so if I'm going to be successful as I run this race that has set, been set before me, then I have to bring myself under some strict discipline. I have to discipline myself so that I'm able to speak to the Jewish man. I have to discipline myself so that the Gentile is willing to listen to me. I have to discipline myself so that the weak person is able to listen to me. And the reality is you and I, if we're going to be winners of people, winners of men and women and boys and girls, we're going to have to be disciplined as well. 
1 Thessalonians 5.22 says to abstain from all appearance of evil. So we have to be careful. Romans chapter 12, iconic passage. The, the Bible says in verse number 1, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. The teens were talking about it this morning uh, as Mark was teaching this morning. He says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. And he went on in verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, friends, Paul understood that winning souls was not some early church growth strategy. Can I tell you, winning souls is not some new strategy for Battlefield Baptist Church to fill the pews. Because you know what? As much as I want everybody and their brother and their sister and their neighbor to come to Battlefield Baptist Church, not everybody's going to come. But you know what? We can go out these doors. <laughs> We're ambassadors of Christ. We can go out these doors. And we can be just like Paul. We can be laser focused on becoming all things and, and, and serving all people, becoming slaves to all peoples. And this is what Paul understood. He understood that it was an unavoidable command of God. So he made himself a servant of all, and he disciplined himself. And we must too. Another quick thought, if we're going to be successful at winning souls, is that we must be selfless. Flip over one page from our main text, 1 Corinthians 10. I want you to see in 1 Corinthians 10, it might be on the same page. 1 Corinthians 10, look at verse 31. Notice what Paul says here. He says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, he says, do all... What does he say there? Do all to the what? To the glory of God. Notice he goes on. He says, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. There it is again, sozo, that they may be delivered, that they may be saved, that they may be redeemed. Oh, listen, God's glory was the most important thing to the Apostle Paul. And last week we were talking about bearing fruit and John 15, 8 reminds us that herein is my Father. Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Oh, this is what Paul knew. And he's saying this is the way it should be for us. I think about Jesus in Mark chapter 12. He gives us the great commandments. He says in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30, he says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind, and with all of thy strength. He said, This is the first commandment. And then in verse number 31, he says, And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But I want you to notice the last thing he says. There is, how many is that? How many is none? I'm just trying to figure it out. My wife's the accountant. How, how, how many does none equal? Zilch, zero, none, nada, nothing. He says there is nothing, no other commandment greater than these. Namely, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Anybody have trouble with that on a daily basis? Because that old world, the old flesh and the devil, he's still walking about seeking whom he may devour. But it doesn't change the commandment one iota. He says, you got to love me. you got to put me first. And then he said, second, you got to put others second. You want to know a recipe or, or kind of a plan uh, of winning people to Christ? Listen, it's always been the same. Jesus, others, you. You want to have some joy? Jesus brings joy, but you want to have some joy in your life? Put Jesus first. 
put others second and put me, myself, and I last. But see, we typically, we flip the order, don't we? We're real good at, I don't even know how you would say that. We need to come up with a new word. Yaj. Yaj. Me? This is what we, we live in a me society. Isn't that what it, you got the, got the this movement and that movement and, and sh, the me too movement and all these other movements. It's the me, myself, and I movement is what it really is. So we got the me and then I want to... I want to please everybody. I want to take care of, I want to take old Carol girl over here. <laughs> I mean young girl over here. <laughs> I don't want to sleep on the couch. I want to take care of very young, beautiful, 29-year-old, whatever. <laughs> That's what we do. We, we live in this society that says, uh, we're that drive-through society. Remember, I've said this before. I want it, and I want it now. And so instead of putting Jesus first and others second and us last, we put us first, others second, and if we have a little bit of time left over, then we'll throw a bone to Jesus every once in a while and show up for worship or serve him at a gas buy-down or some type of outreach event. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just telling you the way it is, and you guys know it's the truth. We're not going to be successful we're not going to be successful if the plan is switched from Jesus to others to you to anything else. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, here's what Scripture says in verse number 4 and following. The Bible says, look not on every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Mark, thanks for alluding to my saying this morning in Sunday school. I tell people all the time, you want to have the mind of Christ, here it is, get it. Paul says, hey, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on from verse number 5. He says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, notice what Jesus did. You want to do something like Jesus? Here's what he did. He humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Folks, if we're going to win people, if we're going to win people for Christ, we're going to have to be servants. We're going to have to be disciplined. We're going to have to be selfless. In fact, a great passage of Scripture that we use many times when we get around our missions uh, revivals and missionaries coming in is 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9, which reminds us that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He was rich, but He became poor for our sakes that we might be rich. He selflessly emptied himself for you and I. And Paul says we need to do the same thing. Which brings me to my last thought. If we're going to be successful in winning people to Christ, then we're going to have to be like Jesus. By the way, when John beheld Jesus, he said when we beheld him, he, uh, as of the only begotten of the Father, he was full of what? All truth and no love is a bully. All love and no truth is a hypocrite. There needs to be some balance on that thing. Oh, listen, look with me at chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You want to be like Jesus? Paul told the church at Corinth. He said in verse number 1, he said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. In other words, what Paul was saying, you guys want to uh, imitate me, only imitate me when I'm imitating Christ. In other words, imitate Christ is what he's saying here. Oh, this is critical because honestly... The best visual illustration we have at our disposal to lead a lost person to Jesus Christ 
is to let them see Christ living inside of us. Listen, we can't live like the world and then expect our neighbor to trust Christ when we go over and we hand him a track or we say, hey, brother, do you love Jesus? And he looks at us and you say, I'm a Christian. Or, or you say, I'm a Christian. And he says, what? He says, I see you living like the world. What are you talking about? You're a Christian. See, people are watching. And so the greatest visual illustration that we have is to let them see Christ living inside of our lives and through our lives. By the way, I'm not talking about just a presence gospel. At some point, we have to have some words. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I think about years ago, it was R.G. Lee. R.G. Lee was pastor for many, many years of the mammoth-sized Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And years ago, someone went to Dr. Lee and said, what do Baptists need more than anything else? And without hesitation, R.G. Lee said, more than anything else, he said, Baptists need to be like Jesus. He didn't mince his words. He didn't say they need a new program, they need a new, a new policy or a new ministry. He said, more than anything else, they need Jesus. They need to be like Jesus, and he was right. And by the way, if we're going to be like Jesus, then we must understand how Jesus felt and acted, and we must see what Jesus saw. In Matthew chapter 9, you may recall this passage of Scripture in verse number 35 and 6. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Look at verse 36. But when? But when he saw, when he looked out, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Listen, Jesus looked out and he saw the opportunity. He saw their lostness. He saw their need. He saw that in him they had a potential of life everlasting and it moved him to compassion. By the way, it's talking about his bowels yearned. He was concerned. He was brokenhearted over the spiritual condition of the people that he saw. And remember, he he said, look, the fields are white on the harvest, but the labors are few. Oh, listen, Mark 10 and 45, you remember Jesus? I was telling you the story about how the disciples got mad at James and John, Zebedee's boys. And Jesus told them, like, hey, whoever's going to be chiefest is going to have to enslave themselves to all. Jesus took it a step further as well because in verse number 45, which I withheld earlier, here's what he said, for the Son of Man has come not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Oh, listen, he became a servant and selflessly laid down his life. His life for mine. His life for your life. This is what Jesus did. And the truth be told, 2 Peter in verse number th or chapter 3 and verse number 9 remind us, Jesus, he is long-suffering to us. In other words, he's patient to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why we must make the decision, the determination that we are going to be servants, that we are going to be disciplined, that we are going to be selfless, and that we are going to be just like Jesus. And I want to close with one thought here. Two, ver two or three verses, Michaela, if she's over here, but one thought. Jesus actually gives us a beautiful and yet simple recipe. We've talked about, right, being a servant, being disciplined, being selfless, and being like Jesus. But he gives us a simple but a very beautiful recipe for winning people to Christ in one verse of Scripture. And I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1. 
in Mark chapter 1. I want you to see it for yourself so that you don't think that I'm just trying to pull the wool over your eyes. In Mark chapter 1, in verse number 17, he's speaking to Andrew and Simon Peter. Remember, I mentioned them a little bit earlier. Andrew, he goes and he finds his brother and he brings his brother to Jesus. And in Mark 1, in verse number 17, here's what Jesus said to both of them. He said, come ye after me. In other words, follow me. And I, I will make, I will make you to become fishers of men. And as uncomfortable as many people have allowed this short statement to become, our Lord was not making a suggestion. He was literally making a powerful promise. He said, come. He wasn't, he, he wasn't saying, hey, this is my opinion that you should come. This is an idea that maybe you come. He was saying, listen, I'm giving you uh, more than just good advice. I'm giving you a command. You need to come and follow me. And he said, when you come and you follow me, he said, I will make you to become fishers of men. Folks, this was his message then, and this is his message now. As we follow him, he, not me, not you with your, with your intellect, not you with your ability to speak, not you with any talent that you might think you have. By the way, if you have a talent, remember who gave it to you. He said, if you follow me, I will make you to become fishers of men. And by the way, you can't fish if you ain't following. And I know I'll be corrected on using the word ain't by my, by my mother-in-law later. She'll, she'll correct my grammar. But I think that's good preaching in Fauquier County. <laughs> if you ain't following, you ain't fishing. And if you ain't fishing, the reality of the matter is you probably ain't following. And that hurt, didn't it? You want to know why it hurts? Because it's a reminder. That just like Paul, he said, listen, I'm free of all men. He said, I, I, I really don't owe anybody anything. He said, but I'm not free of the love of Christ. The love of Christ constrains me. It holds me. It's pinning me down that I must be an ambassador for him. I must go into the highways and the hedges and compel others to come in. I must go out with the good news that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. I've heard the joyful sound that Jesus saves because guess what? I didn't deserve it, but yet I was blessed to receive it. We too, we too have been called and instructed to follow Jesus. Listen, in Luke 9 and 23, he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. There's the selflessness. And then he says, Hey, let him also not only be selfless and deny himself, but let him be disciplined enough to pick up his cross daily, day after day after day. And then he said, Also let him follow me. Oh, listen. According to Jesus himself, as you and I go into all the world, if we will just simply follow him, he will teach us and use us to become fishers of men and women and boys and girls. Psalm 126 and verse 5 and 6 says, They that sow in tears, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth in weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And that's applicable to whether you're talking about prayer or going and telling people about Jesus. It was said years ago and more recently in the lyrics of a song, that a soul winner's prayer should simply be this. And guys, if you have it, if you'll throw it on the screen. Lord, help me. Help me just to be a nobody. Help me to humble myself. Help me to get rid of this idea that I'm greater than anybody else. Help me to be a nobody. 
who tells everybody about capital S, somebody, the Savior of the world, that tells everybody about somebody who can save their soul. Sir, man, I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're here and you've heard a lot about Jesus, but maybe you've never trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. I've shared with you the love of Christ today, the word of Christ today, the truth of Christ today. And the reality is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. That's verse number 17 of John chapter 3. And you know what? If you'd have been the only person, he would have done that. He exchanged, as the choir will be singing in a couple of few weeks, he exchanged his life for yours. He was rich, and yet he became poor so that you and I might be rich. If you're sitting in this room, or you're watching online maybe, and you have never called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of, of sin, can I beg you? Can I beg you? Don't, don't, don't let the Word of God and the Spirit of God, right? Don't, 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 don't shirk that. Don't say no. Don't push back. Like a lot of people trying to resist what they know they need to do today and trying to put it off till tomorrow. Can I tell you, if the Word of God and the Spirit of God are speaking to you right now, it's not about me. It's about what Jesus has done for you. Would you just call out upon the name of the Lord? Say, Lord, I, I'm a sinner. Nobody had to tell me that. And right now, I want to trust you as the Lord and the Savior of my life. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Like Andrew I'm, and, and Simon and, and Paul and all those that we read about Scripture. I'm so thankful that you laid your life down for me. Would you trust him today? I pray you will. But maybe you're here. And let me just ask this. It's okay. Whosoever will confess me before men, I will confess before my Heavenly Father. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, would you just say amen? amen. Okay. Then here. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I tell you that the reality is that there is no time like the present? You say, Pastor, I just want to be honest with you. I've not done a good job not done a good job at pointing people to Jesus you want to know something I don't think we have all done a really great job of doing it let's just be honest could we all do better can we all do better then my prayer for you and I believe God's word is confirmed today my prayer for you is that every one of us would recommit ourselves to following Christ so that we so that he could teach us to become fishers of men and women and boys and girls. Let me ask, if you'd be willing to commit yourself to becoming a better follower of Christ and allowing him to enable you to become a fisher of men, women, boys, and girls, would you just say amen? I believe, listen, I believe this is probably one of the most serious topics that we've discussed. We literally, Pastor Travis and I, we did not plan a mini summit on these lessons, but they have all been connected by the Holy Spirit of God and have brought us to this point.
where we have an opportunity to take all that we have learned over the past five weeks and go out these doors and to see what Christ can do through us. And I pray that you'll do that right now. I pray as we go through these doors, we go out into our Jerusalem and in our Judea and our Samaria, and even as we continue to pray and send missionaries all around the world, I pray that we'll see more people kardatinod, more people gained, more people won for the cause of Christ in 2023 than ever before. Can we do it? No, can we do it? I believe with God all things are possible, so the answer is yes, we can do it. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word. God, I pray that as we sing this song of invitation, Lord, that we are, as we're reminded of your blood that has washed away our sin, God, I pray that this will, this will energize us, this will compel us, this will uh, uh, push us out of our comfort zone even to become the servants we need to be, to become more disciplined, to be selfless, to become more like Jesus. As John said, less of me and more of him. Oh, Lord, help us to do that. Lord, I pray that if there are people here today that if maybe they've already prayed quietly unto themselves and they've trusted Christ, that you would continue to work in their life that they would take a stand for you. Lord, I pray if there's people here who, who are looking for a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching and preaching church, and they need to church home, I pray that you'll bring them at this time that we might celebrate what you're doing in their life as well. Lord, I love you and I praise you. We give you the glory for what you'll do in this time of invitation as we sing. May our voices ring out as, 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 as those who give you the praise with the fruit of our lips. May you be well pleased. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we do so in the precious and powerful name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen and amen.